best, the worst of movies 2022. This is Geek Confidential. For the first episode of 2023, Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. Also joining us, we have Mo Walker. Welcome, Mo. Glad to be here and ready to talk about 2022. It's going to be interesting. And you know, when when I say this, I'm pretty sure that Mel is going to like roll her eyes and possibly make an audible sound of disgust. But I was looking at the categories for both this episode and the TV episode, the TV best and worst, and I think it's time that I shake up the categories, get rid of some, add some new ones for next year, so that come 2024, when we're recording for 2023, there will be some new and unusual categories for us to enjoy. You know what I just said? Not even five minutes ago. Yeah, I said, we were you know just what? talking about that. This is the first year I feel like Luke didn't change a category. He didn't add seven categories and pretend like he didn't. I you didn't. See? It's the exact same. But like I was looking at, so the, it was more on the TV side, but there was also a little bit on the movie side. Like I feel like there's a couple categories that we could slip into the movie one that would make it a, the... That would give more acknowledgement, shall we say, to some people that come to mind that wouldn't necessarily fit into your most, our our typical categories. And then on the TV side, I was thinking this, like, you know, it might actually be fun to have, like, the best pilot of twenty of the year. Because sometimes you can have a show that has a great pilot, but it ends up being a terrible show. And so I was like, maybe we yeah, should do something do something like that and like there's some things that we can play around with with the tv and movie categories for next year but we're sticking to the classic categories this year kicking us off best fight or action scene mel all right so mine comes from for me it just couldn't be anything else um wakanda forever the sequel to black panther and I have the final battle between the Talakans and the Wakandans. This was a battle for the ages. They were fighting for vibranium, and honestly, they were all fighting for their livelihoods. And after the journey that movie took us through, it couldn't have ended any other way than in the battle. And I really enjoyed um, Namor, Namor, however you want to say it, um, the quote unquote villain of the movie. I thought they did such he a great was a job. Hot villain. Um, yes, he was. But I thought they did such a great job with the way he flew, because you know he has little wings on his an- on his ankles, and he just floated through the air and could change directions so fast. And I just feel like they weren't ready for that. And I loved everything about it. That battle was great, and it showed us that you know even though Chadwick Boseman is gone. This series can continue. It has everything it needs. Letitia Wright was great. I just, I loved it. Mo, what do you have for best fight scene or action scene? Well, again, mine also comes from uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, specifically. And I'm, I'm digging in, digging here. Where I'm going to talk about the Black Panther Shuri version versus Namor. That final fight was brutal i mean whether it was shuri using the technology basically a microwave to absorb the moisture out of his skin to when they crashed to the fact that she took her claws and just like ripped off his uh ankle wings to Namor, you know, stabbing Shuri through the chest and then Shuri coming back and uh, scratching him on his back and then, you know, causing them, causing the uh, plane to self-destruct and blow Namor away. I mean, it was brutal. It was visceral. I think 
personally, I think probably one of the best one-on-one -on -one fight sequences of a Marvel, an MCU film that is, but it, it, you could just see the emotion in the actors' faces. I, I really got to commend them for how well that was done. It didn't feel like this CGI fisticuff. It really felt like two people, bare knuckles, going at it for all, for, for everything. This might come as a cop-out, and I hope it's not considered that, but like for me, I basically put Doctor Strange multi Multiverse of Madness because there were so many fight scenes in that movie that I loved. Like whether it was him becoming a multi-armed uh, uh, villain, whether it was Scarlet, which the, those two going head-to-head -head in a movie was everything. And I loved the fight scenes. Now, does this measure up to some of the first Doctor Strange? Maybe not quite, but I still really enjoyed this movie. And I was there for the CGI extravaganza that was the fight scenes between Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange. Female Entertainer of the Year, Mel. Um, so I had to choose between two on my pick and I'm just going to go with the latter one. Cause you can never go wrong with this one. Uh, my female film entertainer of the year is Miss Viola Davis. Um, I don't know if y'all saw the woman King or not, but she was absolutely. Was fabulous. it good? I wanted oh to see it, but I didn't get to God. it. Oh my God. Yes. She's amazing. We know she has this incredible screen presence, but the way that she led those group of women and the fight scenes, it was completely realistic. It was in your face. It was fabulous. Um, and she also made guest appearances on Black Adam and the TV show Peacemaker because she is the DC Universe's Amanda Waller, at least for right now. I don't know what's going to happen later, but She's always fabulous, and I thought she just put on another amazing performance, and I had to recognize her for us. But I do have honorable mention, too, but I guess we get to that later. Mo, who do you have for Female Entertainer of the Year? For me, it was uh, Michelle Yao. Um, for, uh, she portrayed Evelyn Wong, or ver various versions of Evelyn Wong. Speaking of films that dealt with the multiverse, um, I don't know if you all saw Everything Everywhere uh, all at once. It was a really wonderful film, not just about family, but just played with a lot of multiverse tropes and so forth. Um, some really great, I would call them Matrix-like action sequences. Uh, Michelle Yao, in addition to that, you know, she has been everywhere uh, in 2022. She did voice work. Uh, she was um, portrayed uh, Master Chow in Minions, The Rise of Gru. She was Yuki and and um, Pause of Fury. Um, she uh, was in the Netflix film um, the school the school for good and evil. She was one of the professors there, and she was also finally in The Witcher Blood Origin as well. So you know, I'm still holding out, waiting for Michelle Yao to get that um, Star Trek spinoff show that she was promised, but clearly. She just based on her IMDb page, she was everywhere and Didn't doing everything. Did she get everything. a time cover this year? Yeah, That's yeah, pretty impressive. She got a time, I mean, like she is everywhere and doing everything in 2022. Well, some uh, coming in a, for a female entertainer of the year for me is an actress who has been beloved by America for a decade or two. She has had some major, major hits that we all recognize her for. And then there have been some quieter movies that maybe haven't done so well. But for me, I thought that this movie was sort of not necessarily a comeback, but a reminder that Sandra Bullock in The Lost City is pure Sandra Bullock, and it gave me everything I wanted. Here was a movie in which we had Sandra Bullock back at peak San Sandra Bullock. We had Channing Tatum, and we had Brad Pitt, two hot men who were focused on her, 
And it was a story about an author who writes at romance adventure romance novels and the man who is pictured on her covers and they're kidnapped by an evil Harry Potter. I mean, it it was just the convergence of everything I needed, especially since at the beginning of the year we were still we still had COVID, some COVID concerns. So for me, this was just a fun, wonderful escape. She entertained me so much that I watched it again on Paramount Plus after it hit the streaming services. And so for me, it's Sandra Bullock. Male Entertainer of the Year, Mo. For me, it, it can only be Tom Cruise. I mean, that man is 60 and, you know... He was bringing them into the theaters with Top Gun Maverick. I mean, you know, that was the movie that everybody had to see, you know, and I felt it, you know, it it, it brought me back. It made me want to rewatch the original Top Gun, which I hadn't watched in a, in a number of years. You know, now Tom Cruise has been doing all these crazy stunts and promoting um, the next Mission Impossible film that's scheduled to come out next year. Uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, well, excuse me. In 2023, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, a.k.a. M.I. Seven. I mean, you know, it. I mean, what can I say? If you can bring folks back and get a billion dollar film, hold people, hold that film up and keep it off of a streaming platform for the majority of the year, you know, and it, when it comes to Paramount Plus, everybody still wants to watch it on Paramount Plus. I mean, Tom Cruise the man. M- Mel, who do you have? Okay, I thought somebody was going to pick Tom Cruise, so I didn't pick him. Um, my male film entertainer of the year is Mr. Brian Tyree Henry. Who? This man, really, Luke, really? I gotta go Google, I gotta you don't go know Google. about no Atlanta? You don't know about no Come Atlanta? <laughs> really? what, what was his I'm name? Brian Tyree Henry. He's literally everywhere. This man has like the Eternal. best agent in Hollywood. He was an eternal. The eternal he, was. he was. He's a yeah. smart person. You don't know nothing about no paper boy, paper, paper boy. boy. All Come about on, that boy. paper boy. <laughs> Uh, okay. I'm just okay. I'm looking at his stuff. So the only thing that I would have seen him in this year would have possibly been Bullet Train. Right. That's what he starred in this year with Brad Pitt. It was an action assassin film. No, Luke. No. I he was did, also. I didn't watch Cosplay. it. I just didn't. I've never seen it. I I didn't know his name. Oh Jesus. Okay. Anyways, that's who my uh, film entertainer of the year is. Um, he was in Bullet Train with Brad Pitt. Like I said, it was this action assassin film. It was crazy. Went off the rails, but I always think he puts in a great performance. He was also in this drama film with uh, Jennifer Lawrence called Causeway. He's getting Oscar buzz for that. All while doing Atlanta, the final season. And voicing a character on Big Mouth. And I think if you can do all that in one year, you get my vote. Bullet Train was more violent than I expected. But yeah. he, he was definitely one of the um, bright spots of that movie. Um, there was de- He definitely provided so, so both some comedic and heartwarming um, elements to what was otherwise a slaughter fest. My male film entertainer of the year is also Tom Cruise for Top Gun Maverick. I thoroughly enjoyed that movie, but him the way that film was shot, the script, there's so much about the original Top Gun that in theory shouldn't work in 2022 versus its original run, and yet it all does. And I don't think that that would be possible if Tom Cruise wasn't there. He single-handedly drove one of the biggest movies of the year. If it hadn't been for Avatar coming in at the end, he was the biggest movie of the year. And it was a good, a really good movie. He And he, he was fantastic. And he gave you all of the like original Top Gun, like, late 80s, early 90s vibes that you were looking for from that movie. It was, it, he did a great job. Supporting male or female entertainer of the year, Mo. For 
me, it's got to be the one, the only, Miss Angela Bassett. I mean, woo, when she returned, man, Black Panther Wakanda forever. Look, I mean, the fact that you have the queen of Wakanda coming before this UN delegation early on in the film, putting these folks in their place, telling them, if you come at us, we're going to come back at you twice as hard. And don't think I'm shook because my son, the Black Panther, has died. We're going to handle our business, bro, right? Homegirl throughout the movie, you can see the struggle that she has, you know, you know, dealing with the grief over the passing of T'Challa, dealing with the possible loss of her daughter, Shuri. As she said in that triumphant moment, have I not given everything? And Angela Bassett gave everything and more in Black Panther Wakanda forever. And I hope this earns her, you know, an Oscar. Because I think if any superhero movie deserves an Oscar, it is her work in this movie. Now, granted, we've gotten plenty for the Joker and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, I think it is her work deserves, you know, it's Oscar caliber material. Mel, who do you have? I just have to say, preach to what Mo said. Um, I actually had uh, Andrew Bassett as one of my honorable mentions for all those reasons, because he is 1000% correct. Um, But my pick, I had to give it to Matt Smith. Um, He is, he played the villain in Morbius, Lucian. Um, I think if you can give a performance in a movie that is otherwise terrible, that people are talking about, you have to get recognition for that. And he was fabulous. He was hands down the best part of that movie. He made it tolerable. And you may also know him as Damon Targaryen on the House of Dragons. So I think he just had a banner 2022 and I had to give him credit. Or as Mo and I know him, Doctor Who. Number yeah. 11, I think it is, if I'm sure. not mistaken. Okay, yeah. right. My pick Angela Bassett was an honorable mention for me as well, but my pick was Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate in Black Adam. There was there was a lot of CGI, there was a lot of group dynamics, but th- what I found in the film was that Pierce Brosnan grounded the team. He also brought a gravitas to it that didn't just make it a bunch of buff people fighting villains i always lean toward the wizard type of characters when it comes to comic book characters so like in the marvel universe i love doctor strange in this unit in the dc universe a character like dr fate i loved him in the cartoons i loved seeing him in this movie and to see his the way he uses his magic in combat and then eventually to sacrifice himself Loved it all. I thought Pierce Brosnan did a fantastic job. And he was basically gave it a gravitas that I wasn't expecting it to have for a comic book movie. Um, That brings us to worst movie of the year. Let me tell you, there are some choices that were made when bad movies were produced. Mel, what do you have for worst movie of the year? So it was almost Morbius until Halloween came around. And y'all know I love my horror movies. So my worst movie of the year is Halloween Ends. I don't know what happened here. I mean, they they already decided to bring the series back yet again. I can suspend my reality. That's not a problem. But the issue with this film is that we decided to focus on a character, a new character that we didn't know anything about and make the movie about him. And I was like, but why? I don't, there was no reason for any of that. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis has been playing Laurie Strode since 78. Wouldn't you think maybe we just make this movie about her and her family trying to finally kill the villain that's been stalking her for the last, I don't know, 50 years or so? I, Maybe we should do that. Let's not ma- let's not introduce a new character and have him 
uh, all of a sudden make friends with Michael Myers and he'd been killing people and it was just ridiculous. I was like, I don't know why I sat through this. I was so happy that I had to, I got to watch it on Peacock and then I have to spend my coin down at the movie theater because, honey, I would ask for my money back. That movie was awful and they all should be ashamed of themselves. Mo? So for me, it's more... Well, it's it's in my opinion, the worst movie of 2022 was Jurassic World Dominion. I, it was more about apathy than just sheer, sheer hatred of the film. I mean, it's you had so many great pieces. You know, the notion of bringing back the OGs, you know, Laura Derns, Ellie Sattler, Sam Neill as Alan Grant. Of course, you know, Jeff Goldblum has been hanging around everything, collecting his checks, you know, as Ian Malcolm for a while. And it was, you know, and after seeing uh, Spider-Man No Way From Home, you know, this whole notion of bringing back, you know, characters from the original movies to, to team up with the next generation sounds great on paper, okay? But the plot for Jurassic World Dominion just did not make sense in terms of logic. We had these large logic leaps, you know, in terms of... Um, Maisie Lockwood, who was uh, more or less, she she wasn't even like a character. She was a cipher, and she was this MacGuffin, and the fact that she was created as a clone, and I'm like, you know, everything was just, it felt like a bad Xerox copy of something. It's like you've done like 10 Xerox copies of this movie. And there were certainly some bright spots like uh, DeWanda Wise's uh, Kayla Watts. I mean, just, there was some, I would love to see more with her character, but just overall, it just left me, huh? I just, I just, it, it seemed also part of me felt like, Chris Pratt's like Owen Grady, his character kind of had checked out and really, you know, I feel like he really kind of didn't care if he got back to Claire. I mean, it just, it felt like he had more chemistry with Kayla than uh, Claire. It just, it was just, mm, I, I, I feel like we're at a good stopping point for these Jurassic World movies. I don't think we need anything else. But sadly, you know, the box office may say otherwise. I probably will not go to the next one you know, certainly in theaters, I, I could probably watch it at home. But, you know, I would just stay away from it if, if unless unless you're a diehard Jurassic fan, you really don't need to see this movie. So I have a movie that I watched this last week, and for fifty-two weeks. No, wait, wait. It would have been for 51 weeks out of the year, I thought that Lo Thor Love and Thunder was going to be my worst movie of the year because while fun, it was not a good movie. Like there were a lot of problems with Thor Lo uh, Love and Thunder from a standpoint of the characterizations, the writing, some other choices that were made. They've gone way too far with the silliness in Thor Love and Thunder. Um, I remember when it first came out, I thought I enjoyed it, but then I went to watch it on Disney Plus and I was like, what is this shit? And that's disappointing for me because Thor Ragnarok is literally one of my top three Marvel MCU movies. So I figure that Thor Love and Thunder would be my pick for worst movie this year. Well, let me tell you about another movie. Mel, are you a fan of Margot Robbie? I, I do enjoy her, yes. Mo, did you like Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man? Yes, Luke. Did either of you watch La La Land and think this is a great movie that deserved its Oscar nominations? No. I didn't watch it, so I I can't comment on La La Land. I can. Um, and ain't nobody going to like what I got to say. Have either of you ever watched a Brad Pitt movie that you thoroughly enjoyed, whether it's him as a lead or in an ensemble, like the, one of the, uh, I, not Italian job, the heist movies, which all of a sudden I can't remember their names. Uh, the Ocean's gambling, 11. Oh, thank you. Ocean's 11. Do you appreciate Brad Pitt? Yeah. I mean, I've grown to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have, well, I have, and did Go you ahead. by chance see a trailer that was that made it look like 
there was going to be <laughs> some sort of like old Hollywood comedy style thing that starred Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. And you thought to yourself, that looks like a fun trailer about Hollywood. I think you was let, on your own with that thought, Luke. Let me tell you, it has been a very long time since I almost walked out of a movie. And if it hadn't been for the fact that I was there with a friend, I would have walked out in the first 10 minutes when they had an elephant in the back of the truck. They showed its asshole. And then because the track truck was not being able to get up the hill with the weight, the, the elephant handler was putting straw, throwing straw at the elephant's ass as they were pushing the truck up the hill. And then all of a sudden, because of the tingling from the straw being thrown at its ass, the elephant starts shitting over the elephant handler and the other lead of this sh- the movie. That is in the first 10 minutes. And it only goes downhill from there. They end up in a place where at some point during, I'm not going to even try and repeat this preposterous plot. I don't understand how this film actually got made. The only thing that I can possibly imagine is that blackmail tapes were involved or like something happened because this movie was so awful. Toby Maguire shows up like three quarters of the way through as like some sort of coked out, possibly deathly ill person with money. And he t- he wants to fill do a film in Hollywood. Now, granted, his only connection to this film thus far is the fact that Margot Robbie's character had borrowed some money from him for as part of her gambling debts in as like as she was going around town gambling and the guy who's in love with her uh Diego Calva's character Manny Torres was trying to get her out of the situation she was in so he ends up taking the money to the to Toby Maguire's character to pay it off and it turns out that the guy who gave him the money gave him prop money so it was fake money Toby Maguire's character took him five levels underneath LA through tiers of S&M pig fucking like there were like there was so like so much depravity in the levels as it just went deeper and deeper and it culminated down there with Toby Maguire's character wanting to have Manny produce a movie about this man who was biting heads off of rats or something like that I closed my eyes half the time I was going through these scenes because it was really gross and then they had to run for their lives to get out of there because water dripped on the fake money. And all of a sudden they knew they were going to be killed if they didn't run. This movie was so bad. Like, I don't even, I can't even think of a movie. Like, the last time a movie was so bad that I almost walked out, I didn't walk out because it was so bad it became funny. And I basically ended up laughing at it and making fun of it in the theater. And that was what became and um, my reaction to that movie. This movie was just so shittiest, literally and figuratively, that I can't think of a movie that I have seen that is worse. It is so, so, so bad. So, so Luke, Luke, I- I've seen Babylon. And um, <laughs> I had to mute myself because I think your <laughs> a your reenactment slash retelling of the plot I found so hilarious, and at times I would think was a bit more entertaining than certain aspects of that. Of that my film. my recap of that film was more entertaining than the entirety of that film. No, no, no. Here, that here's film was shit. <laughs> but here's something you forgot. No. So, so you li- no 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 no. So Luke, you literally forgot, you know, a connection to one of our CW shows who was in that film. You know, you 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 literally forgot um Phoebe Tonkin who played Haley Marshall on the originals in the Vampire Diaries. She was in there pissing on that overweight That's right. man like that, so like so like in the first 
10 minutes, you have an elephant shit on two people. And within the first 30 minutes, you have a woman squatting over a man and literally peeing on him before she cokes out and dies. Or was it his, his second lady that coked out and dies? Needless to say, the same man was with one or two women. One of them coked out and died. One of them peed on him. It might have been the same woman. It I, was terrible. It was fucking terrible. I don't understand how that movie got produced. On what planet? In what executive office? Do you have people sitting around a table or in front of a big screen where they've had the pitch and maybe have some shots or whatever and say, yeah, we're going to green light this just based on the fact that Brad Pitt, Tobey Maguire, and Margot Robbie are in it. Oh, and Gene Smart. So, so, so Luke. Um, no, there's no so was, Luke. This was yeah, a shittiest movie. There was, this was a shittiest movie. Do not defend this movie. <laughs> I'm not going to defend I was gonna say, you know, wasn't this a, you know, maybe there was uh, some some sort of focus group that said this would be perfect for the holidays, you know? Oh no, you didn't say that word. <laughs> no, you didn't. Because no, I mean... no focus group would watch that movie. At, that movie had to have not been screened. Like, I can't even. Like, I'm. I didn't look before. I don't normally read reviews, right? Because I just think I'm going to go into a movie. I'll watch a trailer. And if a trailer entices me, I'll go to see it. The, the trailer was one that I personally wouldn't see, like be like amped up to go see. But I was with a friend who we go to movies together and we sort of rotate our picks. And it is a movie trailer that when we watched it the first time in a theater, he he was interested in it. I was like, eh, I'm tired of movies about Hollywood and TV shows about Hollywood because a lot of them just become self-indulgent. And that's what I said at the time. Well, that was earlier in the fall when we saw the trailer. By the time the movie came around, it, it was his turn to pick. And he was like, let's go to Babylon. And I was like, okay, it's his pick. It, the trailer wasn't something that I'm particularly interested in, but I'll go to it because that's what you do when you have a movie buddy. We both left that thing and like were like, what did we just watch? I don't understand. Like, I don't understand the self-indulgence of being able to finance such a shittiest movie. Like, the countless hours that were involved. Like, on what planet do you have actors like Gene Smart, who has been winning Emmys up the wazoo for her HBO show, who is an icon of television, for Brad Pitt, who, granted, he's had some off movies, but never won this bad. And, like, wh- how do you have all of these people read these scripts and think, this is a great movie, I want to add my name to it? So like, wait, I don't did. understand. Luke, you weren't won over when uh, Margot Robbie's uh, N- uh, Nelly had to fight that uh, cobra and lost and got the, sh- got, the got shit. bitten the neck by a rattlesnake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because because the there was some it. because there was some sort of thing about her father being a a snake fighter and because she overheard someone talking bad about her and how she was a bad actress, it gave her insecurities. So the thing to reinsure her was going to rely on her father's legend of being a snake fighter. It was shittiest. All puns intended. (sighs) Tell me how you really feel, Luke. Best... (laughs) Non-superhero movie, Mel. Um, For me, this is a movie we already talked about before, but it couldn't be anything other than Top Gun Maverick. What a true Hollywood blockbuster. And I mean old school. It was a return to form for action films. And it made sense. And I think sometimes that's where a lot of these sequels and continuances don't really gel is that it doesn't always make sense. But in this case it did because you had Maverick who's been doing this since the eighties. He's career military. He's been teaching the class. 
that makes complete sense of when you the best, you got to teach how to other people, how to attempt to be the best. So for him to come into this and say, okay, I'm going to teach this class of new Top Guns how to run this very important mission. And I know there are rules, but I'm going to break them. And it is what it is because we have to do what we need to do. All the while still paying that homage to the original film, they got um, Jennifer Conley back. They were also able to incorporate Val Kilmer as Iceman, and I thought all of that was just fabulous. The way they interwove the stories, the way it he he was able to make up for what happened to Goose back in the day and really conquer that. That's what a film should be. It was absolutely fabulous. And this is coming from someone who didn't necessarily really think the original Top Gun was everything. It's just not my cup of tea. But this, this is what I'm talking about. That was a film. So bravo to everyone involved in that because it was great. Mo, what do you have for best non-superhero movie? Honestly, I mean, Mel did the thing describing uh, Top Gun Maverick. I'm I'm not going to add anything else to that. Personally, I'm just going to go with my backup because I, I do feel So that like was your pick, but because she did it so well, you're picking something else? Yes. I, I'm right. going, I have my backup, which is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, uh, the M- Michelle Yao film I'd mentioned previously. Um, again, dealing with family relationships, uh, the multiverse, I want to give a shout out to uh the actor who played her husband in the in this movie uh his name and the character's name was uh uh Wayman Wong but um the actor is uh Ki Huai Kwong um most of us probably know him better as uh, short round from the Indiana Jones films he has been doing a lot of films in recent years on screen that is and he was just phenomenal as this husband trying to hold together his family, but at the same time, all the strange shit was just happening around him. Uh, we got to see alternate alternate reality versions of what his life would be. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was in this film, and she was really unrecognizable in, in this film as well. Um, she was just this horrible uh, bureaucrat, and I mean, but there were some really funny moving uh, scenes between her and Michelle Yao's character in alternate realities, and particularly one in which they were a couple, which was like really weird. Um, if you are into these uh, f- small indie films, certainly you can see, you know, they didn't have a lot of money for the big bombastic CGI that you get in an MC- MCU film. But I will say that um, in terms of a story, I think that if you're looking for something that is geek centric, but at the same time has a bit of heart, you can't go wrong with this film. My best non-superhero movie of uh, 2022 was also Top Gun Maverick. I sort of alluded to it when I talked about Tom Cruise, but they did something with this film that I thought was impossible There's something about those late 80s movies where there's an element of nostalgia that is just built in because you're still dealing with the Cold War. You have all of the the East versus West dynamic between Russia and the Western world. And by comparison to what we're dealing with today, that feels like a much simpler time. And so with all of the complications that we have in today's world, I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to match the feeling that you have when you were watching that old, the original, and it made you feel proud to be an American. You, there was patriotism wrapped up in it. There was um, a hot guy and a hot girl, motorcycles. I mean, it had everything that you would expect from a classic 80s movie, and I wasn't sure how they were going to do it. And yet they basically did the impossible. They brought so many of the elements that people had like cherish or love or were drawn to back in the eighties for these types of movies. And they brought it to 2022 and it all worked. I left there thinking to myself, damn, this was a great movie. And I can't believe they actually 
took this franchise from 1986 to 2022 with the same actor, and it feels like you haven't skipped a beat. I thought they did a fantastic job. Which leads us to the final category. Best superhero movie, DC, Marvel, or image-based comic book movie of 2022. Mo? So for me, I have a tie. Oh, boy. So for the first half of the year, I'm going to say it was the Batman. And, you know, I what I loved about the Batman is, is one... Robert Pattinson made me believe that a Batman could sparkle. But no, I, we got emo Batman with him, all kidding aside. But, and my, I have this love of the Dark Knight. And this film truly felt like it was the darkest of the Dark Knight. You know, it was this you know, mixture of detective films and, and serial killer films like Seven and so forth, and, and certainly the superhero action. But it also explored some contemporary societal issues in a Batman film of all places where you're talking about, you know, the affluent and white male privilege and, you know, what happens when these people just kind of dick around and, you know, society just crumbles and, you know, people just get fed up by just being able having to fight for the scraps. And so this is where you get Paul Dano's the Riddler rising from that, you know, less, you know, the Riddler who, you know, wears a green unitard with questions on it and so forth. It's literally a serial killer ally, the Joker, but not as funny as the Joker who leaves these clues and is killing people all over the place. I mean, Colin Farrell had a really good year in terms of the roles that he picked and the films that he came out uh i think he was utterly transformed as the penguin in this well deserved to, uh, to get a uh, hbo max series assuming that's still on track and doesn't get slashed at any any point uh, my one quibble with this film is is that i wish that we got more Andy Serkis as Alfred Pennyworth. I thought that the scenes that he had with uh, Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne um, were, were wonderful. I wanted to see more of that relationship. And of course, uh, Zoe Kravitz just shined as Selena Kyle. We certainly got, you know, a lot of, if you're familiar with um, some, the long Halloween and some other, Batman tales from the 90s and they mixed a little bit of that in terms of her origin and her relationships with the uh, mob families in, 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 in Gotham City. It was a great Batman film. It just wasn't uh, just a superhero film, but just a great film in general. Now, for the second half of the year, it was it was Black Panther Wakanda forever. I mean, that and, you know, I'm not going to eulogize that anymore, but all I'm going to say is, you know, for me, that was that was a film where it just emotionally took a lot out of me, uh, just going and just seeing because you know it was really you know nearly three hours of them working through the grieving process of T'Challa and not just T'Challa but also the um, Chadwick Boseman as well. But you deliver it delivered a fantastic, entertaining film and a film that I think stands proudly to stand alongside the first. Black Panther film. I've heard some commentary that basically said this was Black Panther 2.0, but with grief. Do you think that's a little bit cynical or do, would you agree? I think it's a fair assessment. I think, but again, you, you, because here's the thing, you literally tackle it head on the situation that the cards that, that they were dealt. And so what are you going to do? You either recast and, and, you know, move forward like that or you just really delve into that and just see what bubbles up from the surface and i think this is a this was the better it was the certainly the harder um harder path to hoe but i think it was the better more enriching path because you know you you stack black panther against the other two mcu films that came out this year in terms of storytelling 
It blows Thor Ragnar and Doctor Strange out of the water. You don't get that deep. You can't connect with those those films on that human level that way. You just don't. See, and I, for me personally, I thought that Angela Bassett provide provided the gravitas to it. Mm-hmm. But for me, I felt that everything that did not involve her did felt thin like shallow or there like there for me there wasn't the depth that her performance provided it was like there was a for me there was two parts of that film there was the Angela Bassett doing the damn job and teaching master classes and then there was the rest of it like I didn't really Shuri's experience I didn't really connect with it the way I'd hoped that I would as a younger sister and a brother type dynamic I don't know for me there's it, that's just my take on it but and that's why it's not mine but I was just curious what your thoughts on some of the analysis that I've read on it did you have anything else you wanted to say about that I apologize for interrupting no, you no 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 I was gonna say but I you know I I understand Shuri's pain and the feeling that you want to burn the effing world down because you lost, you know, that sibling who understands you. I had a sibling, someone who I considered a sibling who died, and I wanted to burn the world down when it happened. So I feel that. I understood that. And so so I get that. I I I, I, th- I think from di- different people take different things from that, but I certainly could understand and see what the teacher right was drawing from um and as as shuri okay mel what did you have for best superhero movie of 2022 um i have wakanda forever there wasn't another film that really stuck with me more than that one and i think the smartest thing they did because of the cards that they were dealt you had your star who tragically passed away and they had to change the complete story. And the smartest thing they did was use their best asset. And that is Angela Bassett. They said, okay, we going to use the best actress on this cast. Go. I, I feel like they just honestly said here, Angela, you go and you do you and you do your thing. And she did it. She was phenomenal. She was really the glue that, held that film together that kept you truly engaged that kept you like okay this is the queen and she been through it like she says in the film she said i lost my entire family i lost everyone and that is just so powerful and i think too in that film they did a really great job to make sure to pay that homage to chadwick boseman and not in a cheesy way but in a true Okay, we showing out. We coming out for you. We are representing. We're going to let you know what you meant to this film, this franchise, and the world. And that was so powerful as well. And they also moved story along and things made sense. And I loved all of the underwater scenes. I thought the cinematography of that was fabulous. Oh, yes. It was wonderful. Oh, my. God. That was like next level. And I was like, everything just really came together in that film and I felt that if you were going to end phase four there was not a better way to do that I mean Letitia Wright stepping up there was a cameo from Michael B. Jordan in this really just human moment of Shuri going to the ancestral plane and you're supposed to see the person that can help you move on and help you you know how you're feeling and it was her it was Michael B. Jordan in her case it was uh, Killmonger because she's angry And she has every right to be angry because she truly did lose everyone. Her father, her brother, her mother, everyone's gone. And now everyone in this, in the most advanced city in the MCU, in the world is expecting her to say, okay, we, we look to you, you, you the one. And and she's a, a younger adult in this. So I just thought that was so much for a young person to take on and it's going to take you a while to get there, but she eventually gets it. And it was, a fabulous film, a great journey, and I can't wait to see what is coming down the pipeline. 
My best superhero movie of 2022 was The Batman for everything that Mo had mentioned with though the first like 10 minutes where we're looking through goggled eyes into the office of the mayor or the councilman or whatever it was that went on a little bit too long. But once we got past that point, I found the Batman to be a wholly engrossing superhero film that provided so much commentary on current events without, because obviously that's not current events for them, but like on our world, those of us in the audience, it was a very powerful film. And they did stuff in that film cinematically, just from a technical standpoint where I, and I didn't appreciate this until I got my bigger TV for my birthday this last year. And then I was watching it on like streaming the level of nuance between simple things like the different shades of black and how it works and how it impacts the story. Like in the train scene where um, the person is being surrounded by the gangsters and he shows up, which is an early scene in the film, just the technical elements of the film with the lighting, the, the angles, everything was really well done. And then you had this story that was surprisingly relevant and poignant to today's society. I thought they did a fantastic job. It's been my number one pick for most of the year. There were a couple times when some other films might have had a chance, like if Thor Love and Thunder had actually been a good movie like Thor Ragnarok and had been a just a blast. I might have been able to say that it was it, but no, Thor Love and Thunder was not a great movie. And so for me, it was the Batman. Um, going down your list real quick, do you have any honorable mentions in each category, one per category, Mel? Yes, I have two. Uh, best fight or action scene, I have to give an honorable mention to the Scarlet Witch versus the Illuminati and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because she destroyed all of them and it was amazing. But we also got to see Professor X in his green suit and his yellow hover chair and I literally died in the theater. So, uh, and then I had female film entertainer, honorable mention is Angela Bassett for all the reasons that we said. And that's all I got. Mo, any honorable mentions? Uh, I really don't have any honorable missions. Uh, I think Mel did a great job of summarizing that uh, fight sequence uh, between the Scarlet Witch and the Illuminati, which was really brutal as well. Um, I I did love being able to see Captain Carter um, on my screens, uh, the real life version, and of course um, Professor X. But you know that way that. Black, she obliterate like basically smush Black Bolt's head in. <laughs> that was that was what? that was wow. wicked. Ugh, iconic. On that note, we'd encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. Also look for us in the Geek Confidential group where we post news and stories and discuss topics that are going on in the world, including things like DC's meltdown under discovery. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody.